Okay, week number three of quarantining here, and welcome back to Locked on Syracuse. At some point, we're just going to have to stop keeping track of the weeks because it's just going to get demoralizing here. I saw a great tweet the other day. It was, there's only three days, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Those are the only three days we now recognize in quarantine. (laughs) That's a a good way to think of this whole thing right now. Well, today on Locked on Syracuse, we have to talk about Alan Griffin because Syracuse is out in the transfer portal again. It's Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki. We have you every single weekday. Find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tyler, this is a good player they're after. Alan Griffin, no relation to the former or the associate head coach for Syracuse and one of the top assistants and a former great player at Syracuse, but left or is in the transfer portal after being a little upset at playing time, you presume, but he averaged basically nine points a game, almost five rebounds a game, just playing 18 minutes. So he's a pretty solid player. He is, and you got to wonder, too, did Jim Beheim just go to his phone and say, hey, Siri, call Alan Griffin, and (laughs) what what happened? But actually, it wouldn't have been Siri because he doesn't have an iPhone, but anyway. And he couldn't figure that out. Siri, that'd be way above (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyway, no, Alan Griffin's a really solid player, and I think he would fit in at Syracuse well. I've actually, I've I've watched him for quite some time now. I, I went to high school with his sister for a year as well. Uh, when he lived out in the Chicagoland area. But, I mean, I remember when he was coming up through the pipeline, you kind of heard the rumblings like, oh, for for those who don't know, Adrian Griffin is his father. If you don't know Adrian Griffin, longtime NBA player, then also play or is an assistant coach. He's been an assistant in a number of places, but most recently and still currently with the Toronto Raptors. So he won a ring last year in his first year on that bench. And so he's a good basketball mind and, of course, Coaches know coaches around the the spheres. And when there's a high-profile coach like Beheim, he's probably got some sort of relation or at least knows of Adrian Griffin to some degree. Also, uh, Adrian Griffin was a, a Seton Hall player as well. So there's obviously ties. In, and we always heard about Alan Griffin. And, of course, his younger brother, AJ, is also a very prolific player and is already committed to Duke. But you heard the rumblings from a, a long time ago ago at least for me that this kid's going to be a solid player this kid's pretty good he's one of the best players in my area and obviously that that probably played a big reason into why he went to Illinois because his dad had two stints as a player with the Bulls and then also was an assistant coach in fact I believe with the Bulls is his longest tenure as an assistant coach of six years during those Derrick Rose days so he even though it lists as being from New York Chicago is probably where he feels most at home, and that explains the Illinois connection. But now, hey, maybe he wants to go venture outside and and look at some other schools, specifically in New York, especially because New York schools re- really were the ones that recruited him the hardest when he was uh, a recruit early and still in high school. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in the White Plains area and actually went to the same high school as where Trill Williams went for part Mm -hmm. of his high school career there. And like you said, his list now is trimmed to six schools here. Miami, Syracuse, Dayton, Iowa State, Arizona, and Texas. And one school not on that list is Duke, which a lot of people were pointing to initially. I I know when we were chatting, when this kind of came about on Thursday, Friday, it was like, I'll probably go to Duke because his brother AJ is a 2021 recruit and he's a five-star recruit that has already committed to Duke but Duke has a lot of wings already this is 
a pretty good fit, really, Syracuse, for him, because he's 6'5", 195. He's basically right on the precipice of being either at the top of the zone or playing in the back half. I think he's more of a small forward, but it'd be nice to have someone that could bring more length to the top of the zone and play some spots there and play that small forward position. And with Hughes leaving, now we'll see if he's immediately eligible because they're going to vote on this thing. And that vote was potentially pushed back, according to John Rothstein. He's saying now July is when they're going to vote. I guess they can't hop on a Zoom conference or something and (laughs) tackle it. But because originally it was supposed to be April, and that would kind of clarify whether a player like Alan Griffin or a player like Jalen Carey or anyone who was transferring, you know, normally you'd have to sit out. There's potential that he could play next season. I think if he came to Syracuse and this passes, he's someone that could fight for a starting job at small forward next year. Absolutely. And the thing with him, too, is you mentioned that size. Think of that size at the top of the zone, right? It'd be great. That's what they're missing. Buddy Beheim. I mean, you got two guys who are six foot five. Remember what made Syracuse so good defensively? They had so much size a couple years ago and and for consecutive years at the top of the zone with Tyus Battle and Frank Howard. Those are two guys, six five, six six, and a lot of length at the top. That really made that defense click. And if Griffin can come, he'll bring that size. And who knows? Maybe that sort of defense comes back. Yeah, totally. And Kadari Richmond, too, is another guy who's Mm -hmm. joining the team next year that has some size there. So it's looking like they're maybe going to correct some of that problem because that was a huge problem last year, maybe even overlooked a little bit. But sticking with Griffin's game, so the thing, and I've watched a lot of his highlight tapes, and you look at his numbers, and four and a half rebounds per game in just 18 minutes like that's 11 rebounds per 40 that's really solid for a 6-5 player so that and with Syracuse you play 40 minutes so boom there's yeah double double machine out there (laughs) right it's either 40 minutes or five minutes so hopefully you make that cutoff but that's that leads you to believe he could play that small forward spot and it wouldn't be that much of a dip in rebounding because Elijah Hughes was a good rebounder all things considered at small forward now he was 6-6 he's an inch taller a little bit heavier but this is an athletic guy that has proven he can get rebounds. And Hughes averaged four and a half rebounds per 40 minutes, basically. So he may even be an upgrade rebounding-wise. And I think it, he's a very versatile player. You could either play him at small forward or shooting guard. And that's basically what they're missing right now, and what they're looking for after losing all those guys to the transfer portal. And I've always said, I thought Elijah Hughes was the most talented rebounder on the team. It was one of those things, if he dedicated himself that, I want to go out and get 10 rebounds, he was going to get 10 rebounds, if that's the only thing he focused on in a game. But, yeah, with Griffin, I mean, he he fills in a lot of holes, because not only is he a prolific rebounder, he's a fantastic three-point shooter as well. Shot almost 42% last season on about four attempts per game. And that was, again, we, we bring up these numbers they may seem small in some capacity when you look at the points, under nine. When you look at the rebounds, under five. Uh, the three-point attempts, four four per game, making less than two per game. But again, he's playing 18 minutes a game. So again, not to extrapolate, but if you get that up to closer to 30, which is more likely what his average would be if he did come and play at Syracuse and was a, a member of the rotation those numbers will obviously go up. It's kind of the same thing with when we saw Elijah Hughes transfer. Not a ton of playing time at ECU. Numbers weren't great, but when he got the opportunity, he thrived. Yeah, he feels like a player that could be on the big break or could be on the precipice of making that big break because 
he does seem to have a lot of talent. But one thing with him that we're going to talk about next is he has some on-the-court issues a little bit. He was suspended at one point this season. We'll talk about that next. All right, continuing to break down Alan Griffin. Again, no relation, but Alan Griffin, the Illinois transfer target for Syracuse. Syracuse Twitter went wild when they saw yes, this. Yes, they did. <laughs> they went berserk. And as expected, Syracuse Twitter has been going crazy. They've been voting Derek Coleman past Michael Jordan and these guys yeah, in the how ACC about that? bracket. They're, they got two Final Four guys. I think it's or it's Pearl, right? I, I don't know why I said Coleman. I don't I know. I mean, I Mello. see like 30 polls a day. And yeah, they're all for different overkill. brackets. I can't keep track anymore. All right. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're cracking eggs. We're we're doing simulations. <laughs> we we live in a simulation now. All right, Tim. Yeah. That's what we live in. I'm just gonna keep sticking to your mindset of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And tomorrow. That was a, that's yeah. a good tip. I, I like that. So anyway, Alan Griffin. Let's continue to talk about sort of this player breakdown for Griffin here. Obviously, as we mentioned, an extremely talented player. Just wrapped up his freshman season, played a little bit. Honestly, a little bit surprised he didn't play more, but that's probably why he's transferring from Brad Underwood in Illinois. He's got a pretty good list of schools here, but he did have get in some trouble. He got suspended from a game. There was another game that he got two technicals and basically effectively got thrown out of the game after just about eight minutes, but he was suspended for stepping on a Purdue player. So it's worth mentioning that that happened. I think it was a two-game suspension, right? Yeah, so here's why you may not have heard of that. Because it was a big, big thing when it happened. But that was the same night that there was the big brawl between Kansas and Kansas State when you got David McCormick picking up a chair oh, yeah. and, and or it was Sylvia DeSosa picking up a chair, David McCormick getting in a fight. That was the same night. So that whole melee took precedent over everything. Meanwhile, Alan Griffin stomps on a guy in, in a Big Ten game between... Uh, Illinois and Purdue, not nearly the same magnitude as Kansas, who I believe was number one at the time. If not number one, they were number two or three. So that kind of went to the back burner because there was a brawl where, I mean, it looks like WWE, WrestleMania out there, were throwing chairs at each other. And that's why <laughs> people didn't remember it or maybe even know about it in the first place. But you, you wonder about the character when you see something like that. And you know, maybe it's a little surprising he's not looking at Duke. You know, Coach K might want someone who can give a little stomp yeah, exactly. every once in a while, and his brother already committed there. But but that's beside the point. You got to wonder about all of that stuff, too. What is his character like? Is he going to blend into a locker room that seems like it's got pretty good chemistry? When you look at all things considered, it seems like all those guys really got along with each other, and now you're going to bring in this guy who maybe he's got some some trouble keeping his composure on the floor you you can't have that especially for a team if you're bringing in a transfer and you're not going to fill all your scholarships either yeah. so at least that's the way it's looking like right now you have very little margin for error if that's the case of potentially losing a guy like you mentioned with the double technicals or stomping on a player and maybe having a guy suspended that is not going to gel well in the locker room no it's weird, that one game where he had the double technicals, I was listening and watching Brad Underwood's press conference afterwards, and he was actually like very complimentary of him and said he was the only guy that fighted out there. So he's a competitor. <laughs> they got that. That's the upswing to this whole conversation. But 
definitely worth mentioning maybe reason to question the character a little bit based on that now we've seen people get second chances and really correct those issues if it really would come back to bite him again so i don't know it, it is worth mentioning but when i look at griffin i mean you think he could start let's just play the hypothetical this vote passes he can play next okay. year he comes to syracuse like i think he may be the starting small forward yes i i think he at least contend he or well he definitely contend right it just kind of boils down to if you're jim Beheim, how small do you want to make this lineup and you're you're losing two inches between him and garrier and i mean brahma sadibe at six foot ten yeah that that's solid size for a center but if you're going to be losing a couple inches you probably want someone who's seven foot around at, at the anchor and position. more than 215 or whatever right yeah <laughs> again uh, we've got another weight crisis on our hands here not that you want 230 240 pound small forwards but it's yeah no you could get bullied at some point and i will say for 65 195 is a solid build to yeah to you so he, he's not a, a twig out there like we've seen with i mean he's not dolajai i think he weighs the same as dolajai and he's got five less inches on him so take that for what it is but i i think he he'd give a good run but i think the ultimate difference maker is going to be gary a's played a year in this defense and griffin has not yeah and it's going to boil down to can he can he how fast can he learn it and who knows maybe this whole coronavirus stuff ultimately kind of squashes that because he's not going to have that amount of time in the gym to kind of learn everything as well so that's true will, will he be able to get up to speed with everything as well because there's a bigger learning curve i think when you go to syracuse and have to learn a defense like that oh of course i mean we've seen that with transfers you think of that last nit year where andrew white and john gillen came in and high hopes for that team but the defense never really gelled right and i do think he's a very talented defensive player and he his body type fits the zone now he'd be probably ideally a guard and it'd be great to put him at the top of the zone but i think he could play some minutes at the guard spot and i don't know we haven't really seen a player play occasionally at the top of the zone occasionally at the back of the zone and i don't know if Beheim would be too comfortable with the first year player saying hey you got to learn both sides here because it's hard enough to just as we've seen freshmen it's hard enough for freshmen or newcomers to adapt to just learning the wing position or one position of the two three zone let alone two but if if you could somehow get rid of that learning curve a little bit and figure it out then you got someone that could play 30 35 minutes whether he's starting or not he could spell Bayheim occasionally spell gerard even if if you had right. Bay, I guess then maybe you'd want to keep Gerard in as a primary ball handler, but now we're really getting into the minutia of it. My point is that you could have you could have him at the top of the zone and you could have him at the back of the zone, and that makes him very appealing. Not not only if he came this year, but think about Buddy's senior year when Gerard is getting pretty good. That could be a very formidable team talent wise if you keep Gary A into that time period and you get a guy like Griffin. Yeah, and I get to get back to your point of players that kind of went back and forth. I mean, we saw it with Beheim, Buddy Beheim, at the end of the season when there were games where Elijah Hughes would get hurt, and he was sure. the one that kind of stepped up and volunteered and said, "Okay, I'll I'll go dip back a little bit." 
and play on the three end of the zone. But I, I, I think it'd be a really tough thing to ask, especially when it's looking like your preseason and summer workouts are already going to be trimmed, if not fully eliminated. So it'll it'll be an interesting case with him because I think he I think he's a player who you kind of wish Syracuse was in on a little bit harder from the get go because he would be a really good fit if he had the entire education of it all of learning the zone learning all the schemes defensively and stuff like that and when we're in a an outlier of a summer right now he's yeah. not going to have that full amount of time to get up to speed well reportedly Syracuse did offer him when he was coming out of high school and now Syracuse is back in the mix here we'll talk about the rest of the teams that are after Alan Griffin and the chances that Syracuse can reel in this talented prospect that's next Okay, so as I mentioned right before we went to that quick break there, Alan Griffin did reportedly have an offer from Syracuse. I was reading an article from InsideTheLoudHouse.com, and they said that the offer came in basically right after he committed to Illinois. Back, remember, he's a 2018 class member. So this is a couple years ago now. Griffin commits, and then he said a couple quotes in this article from Inside the Loud House that was basically to the effect of, I felt like it was a little too little too late and if they weren't after me at the beginning then I wasn't gonna feel like they were that into me so anyway he obviously held true to his commitment now he's back in the market here you got Miami Dayton Iowa State Arizona Texas and of course Syracuse that's his six there the good news is Tyler Duke is out of the fold here now and I do feel like for now for now for now can always resurface (laughs) yeah I, I should watch my words there because we've seen it happen too many times to Syracuse and obviously very recently too with Tepe but those six schools like Syracuse is right on caliber it's not like there's a Kentucky or a Kansas in there like to me Syracuse could I guess Arizona to a degree is although there's this new HBO documentary coming out that might just end Arizona it might (laughs) and LSU (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's true. So anyway, of those six schools, you got Miami also in the ACC. I think Dayton, I mean, we have no intel here, but like that's a program that's kind of on the rise. And also he knows Obi Toppin. He quote tweeted after Obi Toppin did declare for the draft. So it's not like they lived in the same town in New York, too. Yeah. And he kind of played in high school with them. So, I mean, there's a familiarity there. You could maybe there's familiarity between him and elijah hughes they weren't that far apart and honestly that'd be great because he's kind of a hughes type position and obviously a transfer so if he knew hughes i'm sure hughes would vouch for syracuse based on how much he has risen and had the caliber of season that he did but of those six schools any teams that really scare you it's kind of early in the process to know who the front runner is here but i feel like syracuse is on par with these schools yeah i mean Definitely, I'd say they're in the upper echelon. Just kind of looking at what opportunity might be available. I mean, Texas, things can change at the drop of a hat. Who knows what Shaka Smart's deal is going to be like there if he's still going to be the head coach with the Longhorns. Arizona is always in play for everyone, let's be honest. (laughs) But they do have, at at the two and the three, they're having a lot of guys, it looks like for now, coming back. So... 
that there's no guarantee that he's going to slide in and start right away. And and I I'd say that's probably the case for most places. Dayton is the one that I think is intriguing because yeah. Dayton is again, that seems to be the probably the best chance for him to come in and start right away. They're losing Trey Landers to graduation, Ryan Mikesell also to graduation. So there's going to be opportunity for him to come in and try to replace some of the offensive production that one of his fellow New Yorkers and, and one of his friends, Obi Toppin, is leaving with the Flyers. So that's certainly interesting. Miami, I think, could, is in play as well. And then, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would guess Dayton's probably yeah seems like the most open opportunity for him right now. I kind of have a funny feeling he goes to the Flyers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. And obviously then Syracuse fans would say, come on, like, how are we losing to a team that's not in a power conference? They're in the A-10, but they're going to be a number one seed this year. And, yeah. I mean, they've beaten Syracuse in the tournament back in 2014. Syracuse then bested him, obviously, in 2016. But, like, I'm not saying they're of the caliber of program of Syracuse because they're not in a power conference. But they're trending up while Syracuse is trending down. So let's not forget that just because they're in the A-10 doesn't mean that they didn't have a great season and have a lot to offer him. Obviously, playing time is always such an issue and always such a thing with these recruits. And that's probably why he left Illinois. So that's what he's going to be looking for and probably valuing a lot here. And for Syracuse, if he's going, if Jim Beheim sees him at the top of the zone, then he's not going to get much playing time because Beheim and Gerard have that on lock in the starting spot, and maybe you can make a case he should start over one or two of them, probably more Gerard, obviously, based on the year that Beheim had last year. I don't think anyone should really replace him from the starting lineup, but if Beheim sees him as the small forward, which I think he very well could and should be the small forward given what they need here, then he could have some solid playing time at Syracuse. So they actually might have a case in their favor in that regard whereas with these other guards that people have wanted them to look after I just never felt like it was realistic because why would a guard come here more of a clear-cut guard when you know that Gerard's going into his sophomore year and Beheim's going into his junior year and they're going to start for as long as they're here yeah that's the way I kind of see it too I mean when you look at Syracuse too what's the reason why they had an influx of players just dash to the transfer portal seemingly all in one day playing time yeah. what I mean, why, why is alan griffin in the transfer portal because of playing time if those guys aren't getting the playing time and i've always kind of seen griffin as a little bit of a bigger uh but the same skill set as bryson goodine if he sees goodine and says okay he's not getting playing time there and goodine was a much higher higher rated recruit as well but if he's not getting playing time there, then guess what? I'm probably not going to get playing time there either. Yeah, I so. think he's better than Goodine. But you're right. I mean, the recruiting rankings I think when they came out. he was given more of an opportunity. That's more of what it was, is that he was given more of a chance. And again, his chance was limited at Illinois, but it was still more than what Bryson got at Syracuse. So that, that, that's been my whole thing. I, I just think if when it comes down to it, if it, playing time was the factor, then probably not the place for him I think Dayton is probably the clear-cut one here if I had to guess again that's just based off of looking at yeah who's going to be back who's not um and hey guess what Alan Griffin the the Syracuse assistant where did he come from 
He came from Dayton. What yeah. Dayton maybe has to fill their Alan Griffin quota, and this is a perfect way to do it for them. So right. that, both that, are that, fighting that, for the exactly. Alan Griffin quota. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Syracuse has a shot here. Now, it sounds like you're more more on the side that it's pro- he's probably going somewhere else. Yeah, just yeah. because I think he he probably views himself as more of a guard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, those rebounds per game just strike me as someone that could, if he added some weight, he's got the forward builds, I think, that would be basically the Elijah Hughes type. Now, he's an inch shorter, but if he adds a little bit of weight to a 195-pound frame, I think Hughes was 6'6", 215. Like, he's not that far off of what Hughes was, and he's lanky, he's athletic. So I think he could play small forward and honestly probably should view himself in that regard. But... I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes from here. I mean, Syracuse made his top six. A lot of people were pointing to Duke originally, so you'd say the chances have gone up. Now, I don't for him for someone like him, we don't really know the timetable of his decision. But to me, I would wait until the vote if I was in a player's situation like his, which is now not until July. Maybe he won't wait that long because you don't want to string it out that long, but. That vote determines a lot because if you're looking for playing time, I mean, whether you're starting your career there next year or the year after is a huge deal. Or does it also kind of change and maybe favor Syracuse because, or maybe at least favor Syracuse's pursuit a little bit harder because, okay, I can get this guy in. He can learn the zone a little bit. If they're feeling like, okay, this vote might not be passed now because of the change and the, the change in the voting date. So... I would probably lean that, uh, I mean, again, I'm in the camp that he is going to leave because uh, we've always heard with these transfers and people going into the portal, if even though they go into the portal, they can still come back. And I feel like that's been a a conversation with Howard Washington. I don't know how true it is. Yeah, he hasn't really. Yeah, I agree. My stance from it, and this is, again, this is just social media sleuthing out of me, this is... If you go out and post something that you are going into the portal, you're probably leaving. And w- yeah. when you're wishing the, the rest of the team the best of luck moving forward, you're gone. I mean, I, I, I that's the way I read that. I, there's not too much between the lines there. That, that seems pretty concrete and straightforward. Yeah, plus he had a big list of teams after him originally, and just based on the fact that like a Coach K or a Duke was after him and they're reaching out, you'd think that they had gotten wind that he's definitely interested in going somewhere else and it's not a waste of time on their end if all those teams are after him. But anyway, I think we'll we'll just keep monitoring the Alan Griffin sweepstakes. Every time I say his name, I feel like I'm saying it wrong or something or I'm getting it tripped up in my head. It's different spelling, yep. but it's, it really is funny how, how confusing that would be. Imagine if... He comes in the backcourt at times is Bayheim and Griffin being coached by Bayheim and, and Griffin. Wow. Yeah. That'd be something. It would. It would be uh, confusing at times, but I guess not so much because two are on the court. Two if the they court, could have obviously. Jimmy Bayheim on the team, oh, somehow, now you're then, really... <laughs> then we'd really be complicating things here. Absolutely. Well, we'll leave it at that today thanks for checking out this monday edition of locked on syracuse we've got a fun couple episodes coming up here with zach mahoney who we interviewed over the weekend and that was a a really fun chat with the former syracuse quarterback if there are any chicago bears fans out there 
brace uh, yourselves yeah. for what is about to come. That's all I'm going to say. All I'm yeah. going to say. He had some funny stories about that Pittsburgh game where he broke some records. You'll be surprised at what his state of being was during that game. But we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Listen to that. That'll be out Tuesday and Wednesday. It's a two-part series of us chatting with Zach Mahoney, who was a blast to talk to. And we'll try to get another interview and a couple more guests lined up later in the week and actually talk more about Alan Griffin and recruiting later on in the week. But for now, that'll do it for this Monday edition of Locked on Syracuse, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.